0: The Anchored City podcast is recorded in Anchorage, Alaska, on the traditional lands of the Denaina Athabascan people.
1: I have heard the oldest stories that the wisest man never told cast aside my worries and just went digging for gold and I was scale the highest mountains looking for the bluest blue but of all
0: Welcome to this Between the Seasons episode of the Anchored City Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Kiekenfeld. Typically, I'm the one asking the questions on this podcast, but not today. Julia O'Malley is back on the podcast and we're turning the tables. In our last episode, I interviewed Julia about her project compiling Anchorage's stories from the pandemic years. You should give that episode a listen if you haven't done so already. On this episode, Julia interviews my co-worker Jessica Lowers and I about the project we did during the last season of this podcast. Here is our conversation with Julia O'Malley about the Imagine Project. And there are
1: deserts that I have yet to cross And I have dreamed of faraway places Where imagination just gets lost and I would search the wide world over For one proverb that is true But of all the roads I'll ever walk I just, I
2: can Can you just explain this Imagine project? Um like what's the concept I I see that you say it's a participatory art installation but can you explain a little bit about what it is and how it's worked
0: sure I the first season of the podcast we spent around like issues facing Anchorage and for season two we didn't want to go back to like, in some ways, what all's wrong with Anchorage? So we wanted to do something kind of more hopeful, um, maybe a little more uplifting, especially in the middle of the pandemic, it felt like a good time to be telling different stories. So we started asking questions on the podcast of where are places in the city where things are or are becoming the way they're supposed to be for all people. Um, And so we started looking at places where that was starting to happen in the city, but we wanted to invite kind of the whole city to participate. Um, so that's where we kind of came up with this idea of the Imagine Project. And Jessica can kind of explain what we, how we gathered sort of people's thoughts around that same idea.
3: Sure. So we were inspired by some of the participatory art projects that Candy Chang has done um, and that Joel and I have modeled in other um, places in our work. And so what we did to um, gather people's responses is um, put up chalkboards in different Kaladi brothers cafes asking um, the question of, um, you know, if Anchorage is supposed to be the way it's supposed to be for all people, what do you imagine? And um, invited them to write down their responses. And so not only then are people giving Um, their thoughts about what makes Anchorage the way it's supposed to be for all people, but then they can hear um, from others as well. And um, we started collecting those responses and posting them on social media, um, in our website, um, in our podcast. And we are um, going to provide those uh, as a collection to the community, as well as other um, decision makers Um, who are working towards making Anchorage the way it's supposed to be for all people.
2: Um, So are there ways in which you can, in terms of just looking back at what you heard, you can draw some conclusions about places where, you know, more work should be
3: focused So our, our top two categories, the ones that we had with the most responses, um, actually had to do with who we are as human beings. Um, and then kind of what we've categorized as whimsy, um, things that brought people life or things that they loved and shared. Um, and so there's these kind of like areas of self-development and then, um, kind of personal desires or dreams and, um. So we started there and what we kind of came to there is that um, there's so much about transforming community through becoming better versions of ourselves, becoming more human and that that change and those dreams start with individual dreams. It starts with individual change. And then from there, we looked at the, um, the responses that Um, require kind of city level action um, or community collaboration. And those included um, categories with economic responses, environmental responses, um, healthcare, education, inclusion, housing, um, and uh, urban planning. And so we took those responses and um, kind of provided a snapshot of kind of the heart of each of those responses and then asking questions around, um, what does it look like then for us to engage um, with these desires on um, a real practical level?
2: Um, before, I wanna ask another question about that, but before we get into that, can you also, maybe can we back up and just talk a little bit more about the concept of everything, the way it's supposed to be for all people? Like, what is that all about? um where does that come from?
0: Sure, I mean we talk about so Jessica and I are part of the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative and one of the ways that we think about the city is in terms of shalom, so it's this word that's um, often translated as peace, Um, It comes out of the Jewish tradition, but it actually means something bigger than that. So we've actually borrowed this phrase from a theologian named Cornelius Plantinga, who says really what Shalom means is that everything is the way it's supposed to be for all people. Um, And I think we use that as a way to think about the city. So like, clearly, there's lots of pluses and minuses to any city. Anchorage has some really wonderful things and it has some real challenges. Um, but a lot of it does come down to are we thinking about the folks around us and what's kind of good for them as well as just for us um, and I think that was what was interesting in the project is um, I don't think we knew kind of what to expect and even with working with Claudie brothers who were totally awesome to like let us do this and like hang stuff up they were expecting more like moderation would be needed like every day checking the boards, making sure people weren't writing bad things on there, scratching stuff out or getting into an argument on the board and really there was a very little of that. Um, one of the baristas even commented like expected it to be more of this like food fight on these boards, but it did end up being more dreaming about what that could look like. Um, for everybody to be included, for everybody to be part, to everybody feel like they're invested. Nobody's kind of disenfranchised. Um, another friend of mine uses a definition of shalom where nothing's broken and no one's missing. And I think the the project really got to some of those things too. Are like, what's some of the stuff that's broken, and how can we kind of start to move towards fixing it so that there aren't people that are sort of excluded from the table? So I don't know if that answers helps answer that question.
2: Um. I wonder then if we can skip back to where we were when I made us go on a little side uh, track if we can talk a little bit about the particular places where you see policy intersections in the city
0: yeah I mean I think the baseline that we heard from a lot of folks is like we just need to be more civil with folks and listen to everybody's perspective, figure out ways to have dialogue where we're not screaming at each other like that was a strong like drumbeat. Um, But I think that also bled into the area of politics. Um, how we interact as a city. So the backdrop of when we had the boards up was during kind of the the beginning of the Omicron wave, and like all of the city council testimony that was going on, and you have former city council people that are coming out and saying, this is the worst city council fight we've seen in 50 years and all these type of things. But in the middle of that, people were kind of wanting, at least where they were expressing on these boards, like, isn't there a better way for us to do this? So I think some of it's just the, the atmosphere of, of the politics, but there definitely were some things around sort of city planning. Like people were talking about like a more walkable city, a more pedestrian friendly city, like not so tied to cars. Like there was some of that kind of stuff that was going on. Um, so they did get into some policy stuff. I think the strongest area was the access to healthcare and to mental health care in particular. There were lots and lots of like, can't we figure out how to how well, to house people? How do we house people? How do we get them taken care of physically and mentally? And those are really policy issues. And there weren't a lot of like solutions given, but there was a lot of desire to basically saying what we're doing right now isn't working. We gotta, we gotta do something else. Jess, what would your take be on that?
3: I think the only thing that I would add is then this desire for inclusion you know, even in the conversations about healthcare care and um, housing, there were a lot of questions that got at, or a lot of statements that got at the questions, you know, whose voices are being heard and whose are being prioritized? And do our systems reflect, you know, inclusivity and diversity and, and equality and equity? Um, and who's making these changes? And are those people, um, you know, asking the same questions? And so I think there's, even if there's not a clear path forward there's definitely a response that's asking for a broader more inclusive picture um, and and making change happen at at multiple levels where um, you know the weakest of our community or the those in our community whose voices aren't being heard are uplifted so that um, you know it makes a, a better community for us all what?
2: did you learn or what are some of your ideas about helping people to really hear each other?
0: I I don't know that we ever thought that the boards would start a dialogue and that's not because they couldn't. Um, (laughs) But the same barista that was telling me he thought it was going to be this train wreck of, of like argumenting also said he watched as people would wait for their drinks, start to talk about what was going on on the boards. And I think that informal, um, that informal conversation was something we didn't see coming. And I think that is sort of the level though that I think that change needs to happen is sort of this like informal um, person to person kind of conversation that you know, kind of needs to be curated, but also doesn't like, hopefully it would be your neighbor next door that you're having the conversation with, but it almost is like the project gave people an excuse to say the things that they maybe wouldn't necessarily have just brought up out of the, out of nowhere in a conversation or couldn't because of the pandemic, they weren't having those conversations maybe. Um, So that's one way I think that that can take place.
3: I think another thing that I learned just through watching the responses come in is that uh, we often start the conversation with what's wrong or what we're unhappy about. And uh, one of the things that that really stood out to me is um, this naming and identifying the strengths that we have as a community, um, what we can celebrate as a community, where we are unified as a community. And when we can start in that kind of strength-based place um, of what unites us, then we can start going into, um, you know, harder places, things that are harder to talk about for any number of reasons, um, because we've already established um, a way that we're connected. And so, you know, I, I think the question in, in future conversations maybe starts with how are we resilient, you know, and what do we have to celebrate, and what's our common ground. Um, because I know that it's easy for me to immediately begin to pick up on and and begin talking about you know what I'm unhappy about or you know where there's conflict. And um, I think that we have a lot of strengths as a community, and that's a great place for us to start um, the future conversations. Like uh, what are some things
2: that we value that people generally value here in Anchorage? What are some things that are are common? values
1: Mm -hmm.
2: this is a little
0: bit of a tricky one um i mean i don't think the question is but the one that came to mind first for me is a little bit of a tricky one in in that i think that we're quite vocal in anchorage about um valuing the diversity of the city um but i do know that that folks like ej david and others have questioned Like, do we just like to say that or do we actually value the diversity of the city? So I think it's a weird um, two-sided coin with that one where I think, yeah, we like to make, you know, a lot of how many languages are spoken in the school district and how many different countries are represented in the city and all of that, which is wonderful. But then if you look at who's in power, like it's not near as diverse than as the city at large. So I think we say we value that, but I think we have a little work to go to like actually like operationalize that value. Um, but I also think people really are, they're quite, it's, a, it's another two-sided coin. They're really individualistic in a lot of ways. Like people that move here in particular um, seem to move here because they wanted that like last frontier, we don't care how they do it outside like mentality but on the flip side i think people really value community too so it's this like rugged individualism but we're all in in that together um, which is an interesting kind of two sides to that coin
2: as well very western um what about you jessica
3: i, I don't know if this is a, a direct answer to your question um <clears throat> But I think that because we do have this diversity um, in culture and ethnicity, we have so many voices of wisdom um, that maybe are currently going untapped um, because they're not who we normally look to for leadership. Um, but at the same time have a wealth of tradition and a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of experience um, <clears throat> that maybe in other places you can't find such a broad, diverse pool um, to draw from. And so we have all of this untapped potential in our community. And so it's a reframing of, of how we go about looking for um knowledge and and experience and tradition. And so, you know, if we're able to turn and and look in a different direction, I think that um, even if we don't have the answers, we have a pathway or a journey towards um, becoming who we want to be as a city already here. Can
2: you describe a little bit more about the reach or scope of the project, like how many people do you think participated in the chalkboarding stuff?
3: It's hard to know how many people participated because, um, you know, if somebody left one answer or five answers, we don't have any way to record that, right? Um, and we don't know who maybe answered the question, um, you know, in a conversation with someone else or even just to their own self without actually picking up that chalk um marker but we had about over 700 responses um and the the chalkboards were up for about three months in some cafes it was a month or two while others were up for the whole time we also gave people the opportunity to respond via Facebook Um, you know if they weren't able to go to a Kaladi to participate or you know maybe that's not just their hangout Um, so the the number of people is tricky. And uh, while we have the recorded number of responses, I would imagine that uh, the conversation was bigger than just what landed on the chalkboards. Uh, we recognize that there's just a section of people in the city who responded. Um, and even though we explored other avenues for people to participate, um, it's what we feel is is a way to start, not end a conversation, um, and, and hope that we can continue having similar Um, ways of dialoguing in the future. So what is the next
2: step for this project?
0: Yeah, the next step is really getting, I mean, it's not scientific at all. So I want to underscore that. Like this wasn't, um, you know, like graduate level research or anything like that. But the ways that we've tried to compile the themes and so on um, are being put into a document that will be available on the website where we were posting all along and where the podcast can be found. which is anchorageutc.org slash all people. Um, so it'll be available there, but also we're hoping to get um, books with kind of the answers into the local Claudie Brothers where the boards had been so folks can, can go back and see like what it looks like um, or be reintroduced to the idea and kind of keep the conversation going. And then we have plans to, to get the document to whatever decision makers it seems to um, Yeah, so we're going to try to get the document as well to like the mayor, the city assembly, and those kind of decision makers, and then folks that are working on the individual issues that showed up, whether that's homelessness, we'd get it to like Covenant House or those that are working with folks that are experiencing homelessness, so that's kind of the plan is to get that information out there and to be begin to have leaders that are thinking about those issues, just see what people are saying, whether that's affirming what they're doing. And they're like, yeah, we're on the right track. Or if they brought up stuff that they're like, oh, we haven't thought about that. Or that's a different way to think about it. And in the case of like, obviously, with the politicians, it's more just to sort of bring up this is what a conversation that's happening in Anchorage, certainly not comprehensive, but it is a look at what people have been talking about. That might be a little different than you know, the stream of folks walking up to the microphone and, you know, giving their two minutes of testimony or whatever, that is a little different.
2: One thing that has come up a lot in my work and seems to kind of dovetail in with yours is the sense that like people can't gauge their town. There's just this lack of that thing you're describing, like the conversation at the coffee shop, but that we, there's a barometer reading that we take when we like engage in conversations with strangers and the pandemic shut all that down. And I just wondered if you could talk a little bit more about you know what you've learned or observed about how the pandemic changed how people understand the town and whether you're seeing that sort of really get any relief, you know, as we're moving into maybe a, like a looser phase of things. Yeah, I
0: think I mean, I think you can drive by like restaurants or, I mean, I just saw an article about kind of downtown restaurants are kind of coming back to life a little bit or driving by, like I live over by the these breweries on King street, like the parking lots are packed. And I think people want that engagement that they were missing of like, I just want to go have an informal conversation over a meal with friends. Um, but I do think that idea of sort of gauging where the whole city is at is really interesting. And I think we tend to flip back then into these broader narratives of like, this person's on this side of the issue, I'm on this side of the issue. Um, and I think that's where it's gotten a little tricky for me is I think people are, are wanting that interaction so much. But then also, if there's a sense of a division there, there's still kind of this wanting to keep it a little bit at arm's length. So another project that we've been trying to figure out how to do is have some conversation amongst um, churches and christian um, folks in the city around division and there hasn't we've had a hard time getting traction for that because people have talked about it's just so divided like kind of why bother Um, and then still coming out of the pandemic and having pandemic fatigue people are not wanting to sign up for those type of things so i think it's an interesting thing where i think informally people are wanting to have those conversation coffee table conversations and then on the bigger stuff, in a bigger way or in a bigger group, there's still a little bit of the the resistance to have that if there's a perceived like line that folks are on one side or the other.
2: Um, there are these things that have come up a little bit that I wanted to ask you guys about for me, which are these kind of themes of reentry, reunion, and revision and re-entry is sort of when we go back into the world having been isolated from relationships or routines and um, reunion is when we have that experience of going to the restaurant that we haven't been to um, and revision is that we're like re-entering the world these, these things that we haven't really been participating in, we're reentering, re-entering them and deciding whether to keep them or um, not. And um, I just wondered, you know, for you all observing the town, observing the sort of fractiousness and division, all of that stuff, if you're seeing any of those, if you're seeing those three themes pop up within your work.
0: I certainly think re-entry, and and that maybe has been happening for a little while now. I even think about the project. We were only able to do it because things were sort of back open. (laughs) It was kind of half open, kind of. People were walking in and getting coffee, but not really sitting. Um, So the re-entry phase, I think, is definitely happening. You're seeing people, you know, starting to get tickets for concerts and plays and those type of things that like felt like they may, you know, they were a long way off two years ago that that was going to come back. So the re entry, I think, is there. And then I also think the groups that I've been in that were apart and have come back together, I think folks have this real sense of reunion. Like it's good to be back together. I haven't seen you in two years. I was in some training last week and it was lots of like minded, like, like uh, jobs and people were, hadn't seen each other for a long time and they were just catching up during the breaks. So I think that is happening. Um, And then the revision, I do think that there's been a sorting that most of us have done throughout the pandemic of what needs to stay in my life and what needs to go. Or maybe it needs to look differently. Or maybe this thing I thought was the priority is not as big a priority as I once thought it was. So I do think all three of those things are happening. But I think it's at different levels. Um, and And I wonder a little bit of like, especially with the revision, if some of it is still coming, like now that we start coming back in, if two years down the road, we're still going to be like, you know, this isn't as important as I thought it was, or this this thing that I missed really is important, but I think it might take a little while to sort of sort all of that out, because I think the tendency will be to just go back to whatever the way things were for some folks, and then I think the, the reflection on that will happen a little bit later. So I think they're all in process, but maybe at different speeds for different people.
3: I'm also seeing how there's this revisioning process that's happening before the re-entry and the reunion. Um, and I, I think that maybe those latter two are moving at slower paces because people are asking the revisioning questions which informs then how do I re-enter? Who do I re-enter with? Who do I reunite with? Um, and because that's gonna be a slower process as you're examining what happened and where you are now and who you want to be going forward, it's gonna inform um, the process of reentry and reunion, um, which will take time.
2: Uh, I guess the last thing to talk about Because one thing that has been interesting is that people, the longer, you know, I've been talking to people for four months, and people are less and less comfortable talking about the painful pieces of the last two years. Um, In particular, people who have lost people to COVID feel like left behind, or nurses who've seen a lot of death from COVID, where is our you know as a community is there a way that we are processing grief you know how do we grieve as a community for the real losses that people experience I think it's been interesting to see that people were really in it and now it's like people are trying to kind of like you know that was this thing that happened but everything's cool um but As we all know, that's not totally how things work. So I don't know if you have, I mean, this is probably my last question, I think, but um, if you have any reflections on how we grieve as a community or how we make room for people to grieve within the sort of narrative of getting on with things.
3: I, I think that creating that space to grieve or to lament what's been lost is really important. And I think that that needs to be carefully cultivated. Um, you know, there's there's some people who are um, leery of experience or expressing their loss because there are still so many who have not taken COVID-19 seriously. Um, and so there's this this feeling of uncertainty, can I share the depth of my pain when maybe, you know, we're not even in the same understanding of what just happened? Um, or there's maybe shame somehow attached to, you know, I lost a loved one due to COVID-19. Um, and are people gonna ask me questions about that experience that I'm not ready to share or that I might be judged from? And so, um, I don't. I don't know what that looks like, but I think how we craft and cultivate those spaces is really important, so that people can really be vulnerable um, and really real about the depth of their loss. And I think that without that process, um, there's no capacity for moving forward. And so, I think it would be really important for. Um, the different spheres of our city where those losses have occurred to take a step and to take some time to look at what that looks like um, in those individual spaces um, for groups of people who have shared that collective loss um, in a similar way.
0: I, I think that many of us that depends on what culture you grew up in, but a lot of us are taught to sort of suppress our emotions so we don't want to be too high or too low like this idea of like in public you should be even keel and I think in the pandemic too because it was a um, for many folks a a kind of a catastrophe in, in motion like I think a lot of us just had to like shove everything down and like get through it and figure out how do you parent and be a school teacher and be like everything to your kids and all of that and you're at home all the time and it was in some ways we had to like numb all of that to just like get through life for two years. Um, and I think that it's gonna be hard then for folks to, to move out of that. And I think we're reluctant, especially in our culture to express like any kind of deep pain or grief that we're carrying and grief looks so different for everybody that I think the, aside from what I think Jessica was getting at that I do think there's there, we should think about how do we have a communal like grieving for the things that were lost during COVID, um, big and small, like some of them absolutely huge, losing a loved one, and then small things that we lost, you know, around just the ability to go outside and move around and all that kind of stuff. Um, But I also think that people need to be paying attention just inside themselves, like, are things different than they were? Do I feel differently Um, for sort of like grief response. And because it comes out in so many different ways, I think we all need to be paying attention to that and not just jumping back into like, that happened, it's done, I'm moving on, because it's just not the way that, it's not the way our bodies work, it's not the way our brains work, it's not the way our spirits work. We carry that stuff whether we think we do or not. And it'll, it'll find its way out somewhere else down the line. So I think it's best for us to pay attention for it in the moment. Um, But I do think that the, that the the lament part of it is also paired with gratitude. And I think that both of those emotions are hard for us to express often, Um, but I think if we can stop for a while and reflect individually about what was lost and what was found during COVID, I think that would be really helpful for all of us moving forward. But I do think a communal way of doing that would be a great, a great way of doing that it's interesting as i'm talking and thinking about like we commemorate other events right on the calendar we have 9 11 and those type of things and it, i wonder if it wouldn't be helpful for us to have a day where we set aside a day to remember the pandemic and like that we went through it and, and everybody went through it in a different way and that we're all survivors <laughs> in a sense of this experience whether you thought it was real or not we all went through something Um, that we're going to have to figure out how to make sense of. That's just, that's what we do. That's what our brains do.
2: Um, Is there anything else that you guys want to, you know, just say about what you learned from or what surprised you about the work that you did with your coffee shop project? I I was
0: surprised as was others that how positive it really was. The responses were by and large, I mean, negative ones were pretty rare. You know, and I that is really encouraging to me. I mean, in the middle of a really difficult time in the middle of kind of the climate that was going on, or at least was being reported on in the city for there to be so much kind of positive um, input was super encouraging. Um, And that's one of the things that I take with me from the project is like, it's not as bleak as it appears, I think.
3: I'd agree with that. And and going back to those kind of two top categories of, you know, who do we want to be? And, and, you know, what are the kind of fun things, the lightheartedness um, that we saw all over the boards is there's kind of this like tentative, like dreaming, this tentative hope, right? And I think that's representative of who we really want to be deep down as a community. And so that's exciting for me to see, and was exciting for me to witness. Um, and you know our our imaginations spark creativity, And when we're creative, we get passionate about things. And that's how things change. Um, and I see that in the responses. and so i'm I'm really hopeful moving forward. Um, being able to be a witness to all the people who um, contributed uh, their voice and their thoughts um, and their dreams and so I'm more hopeful as an outcome Cool, I like that imagination
2: is really powerful isn't it Um, well thank you very much for having me on your podcast y'all
0: Our thanks to Julie O'Malley for taking time to interview us. To find out more about the Imagine Project, go to anchorageutc.org allpeople The findings from the project will be posted there soon and will also be available to check out at the Clotty Brothers Cafe locations that participated in the project. Thanks for listening. And until next time, be good out there. The Anchored City Podcast is grateful for a grant from Resonate Global Mission and a partnership with Street Psalms, both of which contribute to making this podcast possible. And we are grateful for you, our listeners. If you are grateful for what you're hearing, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and recommend us to your friends. You can support this podcast by selecting the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative at smile.amazon.com when you shop at Amazon, so that when you make a purchase, Amazon donates to us. Resources used to make this episode can be found in the show details. The Anchored City Podcast is a production of the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative. The mission of the Collaborative is to train the head, hearts, and hands of urban leaders to love their city and seek its peace. When we say peace, we mean a desire to see a world where all things are the way they're supposed to be for all people. Find us online at anchorageutc.org or on social media at Anchorage UTC. Our theme music is by Anchorage's own Monica Lutner.